and happy new fear. Welcome to the very first podcast of 2022 and another exciting episode of Two Geeks, a Talk and Movies. I am your host, John, and with me as always is my co-host, Joanne. Hey. Hey there. Right, so how was your new year then? It was very well, very quiet for once. How was yours? It was um, interesting. We sat and watched the, I think it was like three or four, God, awful New Year's horror story, a horror movie, rather. And, oh, sweet mother of Jesus. Oh, wow. <laughs> what was it? New Year's Evil, uh, Bloody New Year. And I can't remember for life me what the third one was because I was too drunk by that time. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're giving in and went, fuck it with the bottle, I'll get drunk, so look better. Yeah, yeah. I think it was what, about uh, eight or nine beers and a bottle of sparkly stuff and a few vodka, so I have no idea what the hell it was. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember it being utter garbage, you know. Um, although I am threatening to do a bloody new year at the end of this year for this podcast, but I'm sort of toying with that idea. Ooh. Well, <laughs> if I'm a... really awful, we're doing bloody new year. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a British late 80s, actually mid 80s horror film. Yeah. So, you know, it's good. <laughs> It's actually Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Oh, my Lord. So, you know, it's good. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it somebody called it the British Shining? I'm like, ooh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, I mean, the <laughs> Shining, great, but yeah, that's not. Yeah, I think this this budget was about, about a buck fifty, I think. Have a plug. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> so tonight we're looking at The Thing from 1982. As it turns, was that 40? Yes, 40. Yes, you can count, John. It's 40. <laughs> um, now, this is Carpenter's cult classic movie about paranoia. Uh-huh. Now, is this a red scare or an AIDS allegory? Ah, can we say how much did I both? Mm, okay, then. Okay, for nothing. So, right off the bat, I want to ask, have you read the book that this is based on? No. No, I need a vice. Uh, uh, shoot, that one down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you ever see the prequel, was it pre-sequel? Cleverly named The Thing 2011. No, thankfully. I don't uh, watch remakes. God, don't. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. It is completely and utterly historically wrong. They have mm. fucking cell phones in the thing i'm like it's 1982 hello i mean yeah oh my god it's just off and the cgi is abysmal what annoys me the most is they actually spent money making uh, props making puppets and such and cgi is over the top of you it's like oh sweet mother what's the point of that i mean because i read that for the ending part of this they made a whole stop motion uh, yes. thing, and then uh, Carpenter took one look at it and went, no, I can see the animation um, and scrapped it. And I was like, well, what's the point of going to all that money? So why would they then, for the the remake, do almost the exact same thing? Doesn't make any sense. Because uh, apparently one of the studio executives, the genius that he is, says, nobody wants practical effects, CGI it, make it look smooth. It's like, oh, uh, for fuck's sake. So, mm, <clears throat> moving like, on. Some of the Harold still like practical, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, these people need to be fucking shot. It's not as glossy as it should be. Make it for CGI. Fuck off, you tit. And apparently that added something like 20 million onto the budget. And then it was 3D'd, I think it was. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. So, hmm, hmm. 
Anyway, wow. have you played the PlayStation 2 game? This is based off of. Um, I th- I'm sure I have. I looked it up on YouTube. I watched a playthrough on YouTube, and it looks like a Resident Evil clone to me, and a uh, bad one at that. Is it a bit like a, a cheap version of Resident Evil? Mm, just the, the thing characters shoved in it, and John Carpenter's <laughs> name, apparently. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say something here that may actually lose my fucking uh, geek card. It may send shockwaves over the geekdom, but I don't like this movie. <gasps> no, I'm kidding on. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a kid, when I saw this about eight or nine, I hated this movie and I was not afraid of this movie at all. And at that age, I was shit scared of everything. And this movie just didn't phase me. Yeah. And I was like, this is garbage. I don't like it. It's boring. It's talky. And it's just plain disgusting. It's not scary. So, I mean, don't get me wrong here. The special effects are great yeah. for the time and for what they are. But there's no story here and the acting is a bit shit and the cast is not trying very hard i mean this just feels like three or four set pieces strung together by bad boring acting scenes i mean i don't i just don't like it i don't even this whole oh my god it's a cult classic yeah because something's old i mean it's classic you know Mm, yeah exactly i mean is that too much is that too far (laughs) And, and no, I mean, it's your opinion and you're, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Um, So, no, I don't think it's too far. In fact, I agree with some of the, the points you make. Like, there is just so much for there being a lot happening there's nothing happening at the same time. And, yes, yes. And certain part of it just feels like they've they went more for physical acting rather than dialogue. And you just think, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing that? And why mm-hmm. have it been, like, five minutes and someone said anything? Yeah, yeah. Plus, there's plot holes in this. You could fucking drive one of the snowcats through. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? Also, there's there's like five, five, ten minute scenes where nothing is happening. And mm. you're going, I get you're supposed to build suspense, but this is nothing is happening. And I don't get why this is so popular and why this is so put on a pedestal. I mean, yes, effects are good for the time. Yes, the it's all practical stuff and blah, 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 blah. But I was like, is this all it is? Just set pieces? <laughs> so, hmm. Also, what drove me up the wall was you can clearly tell this is nowhere near the Antarctic. <laughs> yeah. Or Antarctica, yeah. even. Uh, this is in a studio in Los Angeles. So, and, you can clearly uh, tell. <laughs> yeah, and at one point you can see this uh, studio floor. Yeah, so. it's it's like, no, no, no. Pissed off for that one. I will say, even if the, this is John Carpenter's favourite movie, I mean, he had this, his uh, nod and a wink to this in the original Halloween, where the babysit the babysitters are watching a uh, thing from another world on TV. But I have to say, this is not that great a movie. I mean, I can see what this tanked at the time because it was mm. too disgusting and it was too boring. Yeah, have you I read mean, that they um, blamed ET for their failure? Yes, ET came out the <laughs> same week it was or week before. Yeah. Two weeks yeah. before, um, yeah. there's yeah. only two weeks between that and ET, and apparently because ET was all friendly alien, and this clearly isn't it. Well, well, it's ET fault we failed. Uh, no, maybe it's because you just made a shit movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't until this hit VHS that it got its, quote, cult status. Mm. Then it's in the age where it got its gold-tier sci-fi horror. I'm going, this is not gold-tier nor sci-fi horror. <laughs> I mean, no. Just because it's got an alien in it doesn't make it sci-fi. 
E.T. got well, an alien in it. It's not sci-fi. Well, um, I cannot disagree with that one. This is sci-fi, yes, but this is not horror. This is disgusting. There's a difference between disgusting and horrifying. And this yes. is what I hate about modern horror movies. Horror movies go for modern horror movies go for the sheer gore and not mm. the horror. Where's the terror? Where's the threat? Where's the where's the the fear? This is just about revolting how disgusting you can make something be. And that's what annoys me about modern day horror also. It's yeah, like, exactly. Um what was I gonna say? Exactly like people think you just have to throw as much fake blood and whatever mm. around for to to terrify someone and it's like you know, sometimes play off your audience and your audience's own fears, like face it, our own imagination, um, is the scariest thing we all have. So, you know, sometimes a little playing with the psyche is more terrifying than anything you could physically see. And this is just the least scary thing I've seen in a very mm-hmm. long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, now, this is where Kurt Russell also got his quote-unquote badass status from, which I think <laughs> not. I think he was more badass in Escape from New York, mm. which is a better movie than this thing is. I mean, look at that one now and watch it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it, takes, it kicks this movie's arse up and down the street everywhere. So, to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, like I said, Carpenter was on a high, or what I was going to say earlier, was Carpenter was on a high from Halloween and Escape from New York. Mm. He thought he could do no wrong at us, and it gave him a dose of reality. To which I say, was that needed? I'm not sure. I mean, maybe this was E.T.'s fault, maybe because E.T. was so popular, and E.T. had the multiple screens, and this thing had like maybe two or three screens. But was this... I slapped the face to Camter because he was getting too old to watch his high horse. I mean, I, I think maybe a little bit of both. I mean, let's face it, a, rea- a reality... Ugh, can't speak tonight. A reality check, no matter who you are, is good for everyone at some point in their life. Um, so maybe, maybe you know, that little bit of, yeah, you know, all that, just to make him almost take his work more seriously, because let's face it, the things he did after this are, are great for mm. what they are, um, so maybe it helped, but, you know, I mean, let's face it, uh, if you were old enough, uh, and I know you said you've seen this at the time, but if you were old enough to go to the cinema on your own at the time, and you had E.T. in one door and this in the other, what would you have been more drawn to? The friendly alien or the one that's going to kill everybody? Yeah, it's got to rock your face off and, and mm. you. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Another thing, I don't think this played very well outside of America because it's all about the Red Scare, as I said earlier. The mm-hmm. Red Scare, because you could be anybody, you know, it could be anybody. It's like, my God, he's a commie. So I think yeah. and that didn't happen in most of the world. It only happened in America and mm-hmm. I'm guessing Russia and China. Yeah. But it didn't happen in the rest of the world. So maybe that's why it's, this didn't land too well. Maybe. Hmm. I mean, let's get into nuts and bolts of this thing. So it had a $15 million budget, and this thing pulled in $19.6 million. So it tanked big time. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, that's an understatement, but mm. yep. The cast is Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, Richard Daystart, or Daystart, uh, well, my David Clennon, Charles Hallahan, and Jed the Dog, directed by John Carpenter, are the plot. In a US research station in Antarctica, I can say it right, Antarctica, yeah. In 1982, a group of men hunt down a shapeshifting alien, a Norwegian 
rescue, uh, sorry, a Norwegian research group's dog was that alien. As weeks earlier, they dug it out of the ice. Uh, Paranoia sits in, as no one can be trusted anybody else. That makes no sense, John. Anyway, uh, it's down to cocky pilot McCready to stop this alien threat before it takes over the world. Can he do so? We'll figure out who is still human. Human? Human. Find out here. I was a completely cocked up fucking plot somebody there. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, so straight off the bar, I want to, as I, as I asked the elephant, I want to see is this an AIDS allegory or is this a red skin allegory? Because after all, if it is about AIDS, as the it's in the blood and anyone can have this mm. thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was getting like red flags over the place with this thing. I'm going, is this an AIDS allegory? I mean, it's yeah, kind of in the I'm early just- 80s. Yeah, and I was going to say, I was getting flashbacks to the um, the TV commercial that flashed up on TV. At the, I mean, I'm not old enough to remember them, but I'm old enough to have seen clips of them from from looking back uh, at them. So, you know, it's very much, you know, almost a copy and paste of them. It's everywhere, it's in the blood and you don't know who's got it. You don't know mm. you've got it until it's too late sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can barely remember those AIDS adverts with the whole... It was, it was a tombstone and it said AIDS on it and it mm. fell over. I mean, that was fucking senseless as shit, I think. I mean, and various other things. But yeah, this had a heavy AIDS uh, allegory to it, you know? So, hmm. Anyway, so let's talk about the poster. A human being standing there with bright lights spewing from its face. Now, is that iconic? No. Hmm. I mean, I read somewhere that this is voted as one of the most iconic movie posters of all time. I'm thinking, Kieran, but is that iconic just to have the, the alien sitting there spewing out light, which never actually happens in this bloody movie, but there we have it. Um, well, no, because they've made the alien humanoid, and it's not actually humanoid unless it um, assimilates, when it, unless it assimilates you, and then it takes your form. Hmm. So it's kind of wrong because they've made it a, the thing is actually humanoid, and it's like, well, no, we never actually see it. Humanoid, unless it took over someone. So, mm. even I then, think it, yeah, but even then, is it actually humanoid? Because as you find out, it can detach parts of its limbs, touch of its head, yeah. and such, and it's it's its own separate entity. So, is it just one uh, structure, or is it multiple little alien pieces all becoming the one piece until it gets sliced off, and then it becomes its own entity, sort of thing? Yeah, I think um, it's all. I think it's almost a reverse of that. I think it's all one one sort of mass, so we should say, mm. until it's um, either dismembered or, like, as we see multiple times throughout the movie, set on fire, and then that kind of cause it to disperse and then try and find a new host, mm-hmm. almost. So that's my taking on it. Mm. I mean, it shows you later on in the movie that the blood is even the thing the alien mm. as it runs towards a certain person i'm like what in the fuck so even down to the blood cells are alien so mm-hmm. mm, that one. so let's talk about the opening here which is a ufo crash landing on earth which what i found out is a hundred thousand years ago now that is a matte painting of the earth and the ufo is i think it was a two two meter wide um a toy. What? Uh, yes, with it was made of plywood and had aluminium and various lights underneath it, and it was basically just 
thrown across the screen and it was fo- it was um I was gonna say photoshopped, it's not photoshopped, it was um green screened into it. So it showed oh. you like the, the earth and the the UFO which disappears. Yeah. And then up pops George Carpenter's The Thing, which mm. was done by setting a light the thing um from back black again black bin liners in a fish tank with smoke behind it as it billows yeah. out. So yeah, the the um yeah he wrote it on basically and he wrote it on animation almost like animation paper the cell stuff that they do it's almost like the way the Simpsons have recreated now the drawer and then they they do whatever to bring it to life. Well, no, because I read that it was actually black bags and it was cut into it. So yeah, when the so, light hits it, it melts it down. But that had to be well, done like something like nine or ten times because it kept on balling into a big gigantic ball. So they had to re- redo it time and time and time again until it got perfected. And then it was done one time perfect. Yeah. See, what I read is almost similar to that, but he almost um, he drew it onto animation cell, the transparent sheet thing, and then he stuck that to to the he stuck that inside a fish tank full of smoke with a black band liner over it and then set fire to it and that's kind of what we the the effect to got interesting so like i said mm. so that is a nod to the thing from other world by hubbard hughes which uh-huh. was was that 52 was that 51 50 yeah 1951 but carpenter stated that it's not a remake to that no the, no no you nod no. to it but yeah mm. So straight after that, is on to the minimalist soundtrack, not done by Camden himself, but done by Ennio Marocchino. Mar- uh-huh. Now, he was the, um, the conductor, the musical genius behind the Eastwood uh, Spaghetti Westerns, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, Festival of Dollars, A Few Dollars More. He also mm-hmm. done various other Western themes. So that that one, but this one just sounds eerily like Carpenter done it on a bloody keyboard. Yeah. Because yeah. um, Carpenter had a a thing of having just the bare minimal music, such as yeah. in Halloween and in Escape from New York. So this is just right there on on exact copy. Hmm. It's very like um Carpenter's style, and um, it almost surprised me to read that he didn't do this. Because let's face it, we all know Carpenter. He composes his own music, mm-hmm. and for him not to do that, but then find someone who can almost imitate him perfectly to do it, it was, you know, kind of creepy. Especially the well. thing. <laughs> yeah, basically, he found out a, 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 a he found an, an alien that could copy him. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And then we see a husky running from a helicopter as it takes pot shots, missing wildly. This guy's a fucking idiot, by the way. He's got about 15 shots that misses every single one of them. What the fuck? Yeah, oh I was God. like, how can you... You're meant to be, like... You're meant to be in the Norwegian army, so, you know, you're meant to be a pretty good shot. How can you miss that? <laughs> Huskies aren't exactly tiny. No, no. And this isn't Jed the dog, but it's some random husky they found and painted to look Jed the dog. As this dog... I don't know what it was, something about Jed wasn't fully trained or something like that, but this dog was trained to run to certain spots and such. Mm. But because the helicopter was a cocky prick, he bit too low and freaked the dog out. It went like, sort of like five feet off the ground 
and freaked a dog the fuck out and the dog bolted for it. So this dog is running for its life, basically shit fucking crapping itself. So yeah. Sorry. So the dog runs to the American research outpost and the other side of the mountain. Now, this is what I don't get. They say that they don't know about the other side of the mountain because they have no contact with anybody ever on this continent because it's taken weeks and weeks, weeks to get a, a signal out. But they are, this Norwegian camp is less than an hour away. I'm going, how is that possible? Yeah, and how do they know it's only less than an hour away? Oh, I have no idea. And mm. also, in the uh, pre-sequel, the contact again seen on the other side of the mountain, because the mountains get like four sides for some reason. Anyway, um, there's Russian camps set up, so I'm going, right, so the Americans didn't know about the Norwegians or the Russians. Bullshit. <laughs> the fucking paranoid Americans not knowing about the Russians less than a couple of hundred miles away. Get yourself to fuck. I mean, it's like, this is nonsense. Yeah, uh, like them not knowing about the Norwegians in this movie, we can just about swallow, but mm. not not more, not knowing about two separate camps in a remake. It's like, come on. Yeah, I mean it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely fucking. It's like I said, this is what the pop the pop um, mm. holes happen. It's like, okay then. I mean I can just about swallow the fact that the Norwegians are on the other side of the mountain because the snowstorms are interfering with the radio signals, fair enough. And they're on a super secret mission to search out ETs, extraterrestrials, mm-hmm. fair enough. But having a Russian one less than 100 miles away, I'm going, no, no, I'm not buying that one. Mm, definitely. Mm. So, based inside, we meet cocky, drunk pilot McCready, or McCready, played by Kurt Russell in... I've got to say, a sweet-ass beard, which took him a year and a half to grow. Wow. So he is a sore loser as he <laughs> pours his whiskey into the one computer on this research site, which must have cost more than his helicopter. Yeah. I mean, honestly, God. I like how he calls it a cheating bitch as well. I was just mm. like, yeah, someone needs to learn how to lose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the computer's voiced by Adrian Barbeau. Mm. It was John Comptor's wife at the time, I believe. Yeah, one of so, the only women, shall we say, in quotes, in the movie, and she's not even physically there. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Uh, which is actually kind of true. I don't think they had any uh, Arctic or Antarctica um, female explorers until the late 90s. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, don't quote on that one, but I don't think there was. I can't see it being as early. I can't see it being as early as the early early eighty. How about what? It must have been mm. about the late, if not the nineties, like you said. Mm-hmm. Which annoyed me. In the prequel, there's a woman, American mind woman, on that team, and I'm um, going, wait a minute here. You trusted to me. The American don't know. There's a secret base behind the American base. Yeah, bullshit. Like I said, the pre-sequel or, or fucking fuck it, the sequel rips this movie apart and gives it too many plot holes. So, fuck the sequel. Yeah. Bit of a kick in the teeth when you imagine, when you think about how many plot holes are in this. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So the helicopter buzzes the complex and shouldn't have heard this thing coming from fucking miles off. There's Mm. nothing that can bounce the sound away. It's just opened fields of snow. Yet they don't hear this helicopter or the firing of the gun. Or the fucking explosions as they're throwing down the 
the grenades, I'm going, utter bullshit, you can't see that coming from miles away. Yeah, I was like, yeah, even in a snowstorm, um, you could hear that helicopter, so the fact that there isn't one, they've got no, no clue not to hear it until it's right outside the door. Mm. I, I, I drove me nuts, I'm going, that's utter nonsense, you can hear it for fucking miles away. So, the camp empties out, and mm. here we beat, um, here we go, <laughs> I'm going to do it on one fucking chunk, fuck it. <clears throat> yeah. We meet Childs, played by Keith David, Norris, played by Charles Hallahan, Gary, the leader, played by Donald Moffat, Moffat, sorry, uh, Bennings, played by Peter Maloney, Fuchs, or Fux, as, as my DVD said, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, played by Joel Police, uh, Clark, played by Richard Manger, Dr. Cooper, played by Richard Degart. And Windows, played by Thomas Walter. Uh, to see that the Norwegian has throwing bombs at the dog and missing horribly. So he's a lousy shot and he can't throw for shit. Yeah. <laughs> Until the idiot like throws a grenade and blows up his own helicopter as it lands. I'm going, this guy's a fucking idiot. How the fuck did... Yeah. Well, now we can see why the dog escaped the Norwegian camp so fucking easily. It's like, Christ almighty. And here, Gary shoots the guy right between the fucking eyes as Benning gets a stray bullet in the leg because the guy's still shooting wildly. And I'm going, really? A, you can't even fucking shoot as you're on the ground standing on the ground. You still can't fucking shoot the dog as it's jumping over the men. Oh, my God, this guy's a lousy shot. Yeah, but do you know what he's he's shouting in Norwegian? Yeah, it's an alien. It's not a dog. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, which apparently gave away the entirety of the movie plot when it hit Norby. I was going to say, <laughs> so the... any Norwegian watching it would have been like, well, we know what it is, let's mm-hmm. leave it. Like, mm-hmm. you know. But... but so the dog is now inside the camp. Uh, the dog is Jed, who later on to star as Whitefang. Now, this dog was skittish and was not trained at all. Therefore, it's acting on camera was real. That's not a trained dog. It's, it's like schedule running away from the camera, and mm. it spent most of the its day under a fucking pool table. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why it's added into the to the movie. It wasn't trained until I think it was like a year or two later. So oh, okay. yeah. So the the way it's creepily walking around the the camp, the way it's creepily watching from windows, it's an untrained dog. It's just doing that naturally. <laughs> so yeah, there was that Which one. I think actually walk. Yes. Yes, it does. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because what I don't get, but this alien has already been humans before, right? And mm. it's already had the husky DNA. Why would it take more husky DNA than become human? I don't get that. I'm not sure. It's not it's not explained, but doesn't the DNA not run out after a while? Does it not need to top it up, maybe? I don't know. I don't know, because they say that uh, they found the, the body about 100 yards from the crash UFO and it was frozen ice for 100,000 plus years mm. and it has multiple different DNA strands inside of it so who knows what it looks like originally and mm. it can survive being frozen on ice for 100 plus thousand years therefore why would it need to, oh I don't know just moving on that's a plot hole just move right on yep <laughs> and finally we meet the final crew members Dr Blair played by Wolford Brimley who was 44 in this, but looks wow. about fucking 66. 
He had a hard life. Oh my god. And then there's the cook Niles, put by Tiki Carter, who drove me fucking insane skating around to the bloody uh, mm. roller skates. I'm going, hello, health and safety. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he's an oh my god, blasting music. I don't consider it prick. I was going, you're an asshole. <laughs> I wonder fucking can't we for it so bad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honest to God, I'm going, why are you wearing roller skates in the first place? I mean, how did I get the skates in his bag? Because wasn't there be like a, a weight sort of allowance? Well, I have no idea. I imagine there would be. Mm. I imagine there would be a lift of things they're definitely not allowed to take, and near the top would be roller skates, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a, oh, I don't know, moving on swiftly. So Windows, the radio operator, tells Blair he hasn't been able to contact anyone in two weeks. And he can't get a connection to anywhere on the continent. Right then. Yet there's a rescue team six to eight weeks out. So I'm going, who's contact rescue team to pick up the last two survivors then? That makes no sense. Yeah. Big on swiftly. So Cooper wants to check out the Norwegian camp. And he sits out with McCready to go with Dr. What was his name? Well, the Doctor Cooper. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I've got to hear the Doctor. I'm like, what Doctor? <laughs> Idiot, John. <laughs> I just said Cooper would have been oh. moving on. Anyway, so they find the, the, the camp about a, as it's an hour away. Yeah. Uh, and it's completely and utterly trashed with a burned two-headed humanoid creature lying, mm. lying long dead, smouldering away. Inside, they find a radio operator dead at his own hands after slashing his own wrists and neck with frozen blood from the wounds which is fucking disgusting mm. then in the back McCready finds oh, excuse me, finds a block of ice and I'm getting Captain America flashbacks you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean I watched this last night uh, and my partner goes look there's his shield <laughs> I'm going to shut up <laughs> anyway uh, what was I going to say oh yes Note, the bush pilots that Carpenter hired to be the helicopter pilots were so fucking insane, they actually let Kurt Russell fly the helicopter. Hence wow. why it is noticeably wobbles when it's flying around the camps. I'm going, okay then. Yeah. So Russell had no experience flying these fucking helicopters. Yeah, they were just told, yeah, go and give it a whirl. Think, yeah. you know, I'm no, going, get in. No insurance, no health and safety, mm. nothing, just go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honest to bloody God, I'm going, okay then, these guys mm. must be clearly fucking insane. Apparently they're doing stunts, like when a Norwegian helicopter pilot like bomb rushes the the camp, yeah. it's a bit, but it almost hits the fucking the side of the the camp, it has to pull up very drastically, I'm like, what the fuck, this guy's yeah. a nut job. Bloody hell. Did you know both those camps were the same set? Yes, I'm aware of that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 As you can see, the um, helicopter in the next scene when they're apparently flying over the Norwegian camp. Yeah, that's that's, that's that one. Mm. Apparently, in 2000, and I think it was nine or ten, a group, sorry, yeah, it was a group, a group of extreme The Thing uh, fans checked out where it actually was in Canada. Because uh-huh. outside stuff was shot in Canada and inside stuff was shot in somewhere in Los Angeles. Mm. And apparently they found the set still in, up up in Canada. Wow. Up in British Columbia. And they found the burned out helicopter and took part of that helicopter. So oh, bloody. Mm. So, I mean, so this gives the dog 
the thing dog that is a chance to sneak around the camp and get its ball its bearings ball bearings its bearings <laughs> since they're like hmm mm. it then goes into somebody's room who we never find out and it just cuts I'm going okay then so who do you think that was I don't know and I was like it's a it's a character we've we have not been introduced to because let's face it I couldn't, I, at first I thought it was, what's his name, the little annoying guy that kept running around in those damn roller skates, and then I was like, mm. but it doesn't seem tall enough, I don't know, mm. it's a plot hole, maybe it was an extra character they cut out. Possibly, possibly. So, so McCready and the Doctor take the body and documentations and the videotapes back to the camp, and this is where I think drew up the bloody wall, I'm going, so... You think that this is two people, two separate people, and clearly it's the one person merging mm. with the, uh, another thing. Yeah. And I'm going, okay then. And this is apparently, this is where Wolford Brimley, time to shine, as everybody in the cast and crew was throwing up due to the smell of this body, as it used real animal body parts and real animal insides. Yeah. So it smelled can... delicious. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Make me glad I don't eat I don't eat red meat. Um, mm. but yeah, I I read that as well and like the whole cafe like yeah, you couldn't treble my salary for me to be anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. But apparently Brimley was a cattle rustler, so he had no problem slicing up. So he was like, fine, come here. So, mm, yeah. mm. but I've got to see here for all this praise and hype this movie gets for its puppets and its and its practical effects. This puppet looks plastic and cheap. It just looks like it's coated in KY gel. And mm. it looks like it's a, it's a solid piece of plastic. This puppet does not look good. No, it doesn't look like it's made of the same stuff the rest of the puppets are. Like you say, it just looks like plastic. Plastic mm. and gel. Gel. doesn't look nice at all. No, no, no. I mean, I want to get shit for seeing this, but I really don't like the puppets in this. The puppets are... You know, the, puppets, the, the models are really badly done, I think. They look cheap and hard plastic. They don't look naturalistic at all. Mm. I mean, the the one or two that look mm. far too cartoony for mm. me. Um, but I would say the rest, they're okay for the time they were made. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. Very true. Mm. So this brings us to set piece number one. As Clark puts the thing dog with the other huskies and it immediately transforms into the quote-unquote flower dog. Mm, as they called it on set. Wow. Now, this puppet is good. Don't get me wrong, it's great. Mm. However, these poor dogs lost their goddamn minds at this puppet and were shit scared of this fucking thing. I'm not surprised. I mean, honestly, God, apparently the one dog that was hosed down, that is a mixture of honey and water. And that thing was hosing with about a gallon and a half of that stuff. <gasps> so that thing was shiting itself. <laughs> it was like, so that yeah. dog has got P- PTSD mm. to this Yeah, yeah. I'll say here, right, for an alien that's supposed to hide itself until it can, like, copy something, why did it not wait not 30 seconds before it changed into this ridiculous dog thing? Because it splits in two, then it starts sprouting out. Uh, tentacles and it has like spider legs and it starts making weird hissing sounds I'm going because you're just merged in a little bit more and pick the dogs off one at a time sort of thing well yeah 
it's sort of instantly going, and all that shit. I'm going, yeah, mm. the alien. My yes, definitely. Do you know how um, Colin Muad, is it the sound editor, got that hell dog whale thing? Though we hear, um, he what he did was he rounded up all the dogs in his local neighbourhood into his house and then like walked to the door and put it on on darkness dressed all in darkness and he walked around tapping all the doors and window to make oh. all the dogs like physically terrified of him and that 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 horrible wailing thing we hear is oh. you know the result of terrified dogs actually and that uh, which if you think work for where they've set it but if you think about it, these are real dogs that are being uh-huh. tortured Almost, but kind of sick. Yeah, it's very sick. It's very. Mm. Like I says, I'm surprised the American Humane Society was on the set going, no, you can't scoot down the dogs, you can't terrorize the dogs, you can't this, you can't this, you can't do this, because they give me the absolute fucking murder with this thing. I'm going. Yeah. This is ridiculous and frankly disgusting for a fucking movie. Yeah, like n- n- like giving a dog PDFT is not well. Um any amount of money for any amount of movie, so no. forget it. Now, on to a plot point, or a plot hole rather, that I've got here. Why uh-huh. doesn't the dog start to bark as soon as they sense that thing dog? Why wait until it goes into the cage and then start growling at it? Why doesn't it bark at it immediately as soon as Clark opened the door? Yeah. You know? Or as soon as it, it got to the camp, because sure the fuck the dog so sensed that that's not a real dog, and then start going haywire. But it's not until the dog is put in the cage and it attacks the other dogs and the dogs start barking at it, growling at it. So, hmm. Yeah, plot hole. You know, because mm. like, like you say, but unless those um, dogs are kept in that cage all the time, surely it must have been able to interact with that outside or on on the camp that we never seen. And then why didn't they be like, hold on, you're not one of us? Yeah, I mean, it's a plot. Plot holes are ridiculous. So, I mean, so Clark hears a dog's going completely apeshit. He then finds out that uh, the dog, or the thing dog, is now a gigantic fucking multiple-headed, multiple-tentacled thing eating mm. the other dogs as two of the dogs bolt for it. <laughs> so he opens the door for them once you run for it. It's like, fuck you, I'm out here. <laughs> I love that. Um, so Q McCready... And he gets a flamethrower as the others shoot the monstrosity to pieces and then they just torch it. Also, I have down here, why is Gary, the leader, dressed as a sheriff and acting like a fucking sheriff? America doesn't own Antarctica. No one mm-hmm. does. It's no mm-hmm. one. No one's land. So why the fuck is he dressed like a sheriff? God knows. I mean, I love the fact he's got the little the holster and the, the boats are on his waist and he's got the little sheriff badge. I'm going, you may be a sheriff in your real life and your other, and your other job, but in here, you're just a guy with a gun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, mm. so anyway, so now the, the thing is free inside the camp and cue the fucking paranoia as it grips. Although I've got to say, for paranoia, this isn't that good on paranoia. I mean, if 2020 has taught me anything, is that humans will stand each other's throat to get a millimetre ahead of each other. These people are agreeing quite quickly and sort of there's no cliques forming at all, which is mm. utter nonsense. I mean, 
you would think everybody, uh, uh, everybody each other's throats, but there's not actually that much arguing in this. There's maybe one or two scenes, but that's a bit worse. The actual physical fucking arguing in this thing. Yeah, where's the actual, you know, pa- paranoia? Where's the, where's the clique? Where's the arguing? Where's the, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, 2020 has taught me a lot of things. I remember standing in a supermarket watching three people fighting over an 18-pack of toilet roll, and it was getting fucking to murder portions. I'm like, what the fuck? That's toilet roll. <laughs> Can't do a ride. Yeah. Lord. Good Lord, yeah. Yeah, these, what was it, half dozen men? Are all Palawali and there's a fucking alien in the best I'm going, okay then, this is clearly not how humans would react in this scenario. Yeah, exactly. It's like this is not a clear representation of humans because, you know, as we've all found out, people will react over the top for any reason. So, you know, there's no reason why they all shouldn't be tearing each other apart. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, cute. Another autopsy scene done by Blair on the Thing Dog leftovers. More animal parts and more throwing up by the crew because apparently they had to actually set fire to it and it smelled like, I don't know, rancid meat. <laughs> so, oh, wow. delicious smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I take it vegans and vegetarians hate this movie. Then. <laughs> <laughs> My God. It's just one of those movies where you can. You can smell it as you watch it. You're just like, oh my god, no. Mm, yeah, this. I mean, I've got down here again. This puppet doesn't look that real. No. It looks plastic and it looks fake as fuck. I've got down mm. here. It just looks too hard plastic to me. I'm yeah. going. This is supposed to be bone and and tissue and as such, but it just looks plastic. I mean, it, mm. it does. You know how that plastic, that almost like vacuum seal plastic you get, and it's like mm-hmm. real. Same thing they make like uh, baby uh, potties and things out of. It looks like it's made out of that stuff. I'm like, oh, come on, to. Mm. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. So Blair then explains the thing dog was in the middle of replacing the real dog's DNA cell by cell. It can copy anything that is living. No one is safe. So I've got mm. in here Red Scare. Hmm. Yeah. Like I say, is the commies can hide amongst the. Um, the Americans, because their super cells and not shit, and they're not going to be until they're activated. I'm going, is this a communist thing? Is this a Red Scare thing? I mean, I still say it's a bit of both between <laughs> between the Red Scare and the the Aid Scare. Mm, okay, then. Okay. Well, that's, that's, I, mean, I, I can see it, both. Yeah, I think it depends what side of the pond you're on. I'm sure our, our American listeners will watch it and go, no, it's Red Scare. Maybe mm. we watch it and go, oh, it could be Aid. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So cut to the camp watching the videotapes of the Norwegian camp finding the UFO under the ice and spot Carpenter as one of the Norwegian guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so out goes McCready, Norris, uh, and somebody else. I've got to hear somebody else, but who? Idiot John. <laughs> to check out the UFO. I think it was Childs, was it? It was. Hmm. I've got to hear somebody else. Idiot, John. Anyway, you check out the UFO crash landing site, and I find it's completely destroyed by the Norwegians and their what was that? Death charge bombs? The fuck that thing was. Yeah, something like that. Hmm. So no disputes out. The UFO has been there for at least a hundred thousand years, trapped in the ice. How does he know that? Yeah, I was like, how can you date ice just by looking at it? Mm. 
Mm. I mean, don't you have to take like a, a core sample and figure out what's in the actual ice or something like that? How the fuck do you Yeah, they you age? have to test the, the molecules in the water and the bacteria, mm. and then you can date it. They, they literally only date it from the bacteria and the water molecule. It's the only way mm. to date ice. You can't do it by look. Mm, okay, then. Uh, he just goes, oh, it's 100,000 years. Mm, okay, then. <laughs> not a tree trunk, you can't count the ring. Mm, mm. So, so back at, this is another thing that drove me insane. Back at camp, McCready tells others of the UFO. And uh-huh. he's completely calm about this as reading a fucking newspaper. Bullshit! You've seen an alien trying to copy your fucking sleigh dogs. You have seen the UFO. You know we are not alone in this fucking universe, if not galaxy. Yet you just say, eh, matter of fact. Yeah, really? there's, there's no way I'd be sitting there reading the morning paper saying it like, you know, like you're reading it. Oh, well, aliens are here. Oh, mm. and they can copy us. Oh, and any one of us could be next. They're like, there's no way you would be saying that, Camly. Yeah, yeah. And I think what being saying was, Charles goes, it's voodoo. How the fuck's it voodoo? <laughs> You saw the fucking alien with your own two eyes? Yeah. Oh, my God, that drove me insane. I was like, oh, just die already. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's the classic thing we of. There's always someone who won't believe their own eyes, and they're like, it's right in front of you. How can you call your own lie, your own eye, sorry, liar? You're mm. looking at it. Yeah, that's fucking a joke. Mm. Idiot. I've got down here also, Chariots of the Gods is a terrible book, which it bloody well is. I mean, God, mm-hmm. have you read it? No. No, thankfully. I've heard it's a, that it's not worth the paper it's on. Yeah, it's conspiracy theories of how aliens have been on the planet for eons and has been teaching Earth Earthlings to build shit for decades, if not centuries. And I'm is like, that, ooh, kidding. Is that like the same thing that's been around saying like um, certain presidents and prime ministers and royalty all around the world are all like lizards, they're not real? Kinda, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently, allegedly, there's supposed to be multiple different species of aliens on the planets, uh, from reptilians to mm. humanoids to um, what the hell, to greys to little green men to little to white men and us walking. It's like oh for fuck's sake, and they're supposed to be like um, half breeds between aliens and humans. Wow. So it's like okay then, so and apparently, like- sorry, yeah. No, no, carry on. No, no, no. Wait, one, one very quick thing. Apparently, this is where pixies, fairies, angels and such is from. They're actually alien beings, not supernatural creatures. Well, you took the word right out of my mouth. I was going to say, how about like, those people that say that that believe in like, fairies and things, and then think that they're half-breeds between fairies and humans walking amongst us? Yes, an elf. An elfling's mm. not an elf. Oh, for yeah. God's sake. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Absolute nonsense. No, that whole reptilian thing was, I think it started in the late 80s. Mm. And it was, it was like, dear, moving on swiftly. It's just other nonsense, frankly. Shape shifting aliens, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, it's like, I mean, there's certain people who they were saying look like, you know, lizards. And you think, you know, I can see why you thought that, but I don't mm. think they are literally lizards in that skin, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you believe the, the Area 51 stuff, apparently there's been aliens in that base since 1953. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been an alien advisor uh, on the White House staff since 1975, so there we have that one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hmm. I mean, take that one how you will, eh? 
Ja, ja, ja. Apparently, under the, Pen- uh, the Pentagon is an actual mothership UFO. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one as well, and I was like, yeah, it just, I'm just dying to turn on the news one day and just hear breaking news. The Pentagon, you know, opened up almost like the time from Thunderbirds ago. Mm. You're like, really? Someone, some nerd have been watching too much Thunderbird. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, my personal favorite one is that, um, what's that called? Stargate is actually mm. real. And there's been multiple Stargates found around the world. Hence why you can't get into certain pyramids in Egypt. And why you can't go to certain places in Peru and as such. And I'm going, yeah, because there's a Stargate in Egypt. Mm. And why the what's it called, the Sphinx is, you can't get into the Sphinx because it's got a gigantic actual fucking Stargate which takes you to other parts of the galaxy. And I'm going, okay then. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> cut to Blair running a computer simulation on how fast it takes, the thing DNA that is, to take over something. It calculates about a minute and a half or something like that and then it, he asked the computer how long it take before the earth is taken over it says three years or 27,000 hours mm. so I'm guessing this computer graphics cost a fucking fortune in 1982 yeah definitely God, that computer must have cost about the same as a small car today mm, yeah 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 exactly exactly and I was like bloody well God I think um where was it now? I read it somewhere years ago, and I can't remember the exact number. But the last Starfighter, which was the first movie to use uh, computer-generated uh, ships, uh-huh. apparently that needs something like a quarter of its budget for that one five-minute scene. Good lord, really? So yeah, yeah. And in Star Trek Three, and it is the search for Spock, mm-hmm. um, where the Genesis planet is shown, that was about fifty to one hundred and fifty grand. For that one little scene, so good lord, yeah, the money was ridiculous in the early <laughs> mm. So, I mean, so now Blair is completely and utterly paranoid that one or more in the camp is actually a thing alien, and mm. it goes completely bugged. That's insane, as you do. As you <laughs> I mean, would, <laughs> mm, I'm expecting that. Not, I mean, there must have been a lot of booze in that camp because they all seem relatively calm and relatively stable. I'm going. These are either fucked up their mind on alcohol or drugs because there's no chance in hell you would have an actual alien being loose in this camp and it can copy anything it sees. And yet these are all calm and not arguing and not sl- sl- slang off different bits of the camp, not, sh- not hoarding food. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. The, the, I mean, we all, every time we see, we see McCready, he's got a bottle of something alcoholic in his hand. Mm. So. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's that's not plausible. Um, so yeah, they, they must all be, um, they must all be just sticking to the alcohol and not the water because, like you say, if Vanillin, Vanillin took over, say your house, you'd lock yourself in, you'd, mm-hmm. you'd lock yourself in a room and just, you know, panic. You wouldn't be like walking about calmly, like, yeah, it's an alien. Could be you, could be me. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, like I said, the plot holes in this movie are ridiculous. You can fucking drive a fucking snowcat through them. Mm. Through them, it's like, yeah, okay then. So, I mean, so cut to McCoody playing with Torin Long Johns, which is brought up for later. Which I never got that one. Where did the Long Johns come from? Whose Long Johns were they? They were found in the laundry room 
Um, but we never find out who they are. Mm, because when McQueedy is almost saying his goodbyes on that tape, mm. um, he said they found them and the name tag was cut off, so they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going so nobody on a movie one. I mean, should we tell the size of the things? I mean, I would knock off four for Brimley for a start because he's a fat Guinness. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. Well, they're quite short, so you know that rules out Gary, you know? I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. So they move the bodies into a storeroom, which is a great idea. Put it in a fucking food room, why don't you? Yay. <laughs> Set piece number two, as Binning's taken over by the thing, as it's the thirty thing rather than bring from the region camp, as it slowly defrosts, and mm-hmm. I've got to say that bud was like shit. It was like jelly. Yeah, Jimmy. I didn't, I didn't like that blood effect dripping down. I was like, what is that? It looked, it looked too thick almost. I was mm. like. What the hell? Have they just gone for just plain watered down paint? What is that? Um, but yeah, that dripping down um, scene with the blood was awful. Mm-hmm. The later shot when you see it all over kind of look midget more convincing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll get down here. So he's quickly dry roasted by McCready, who's awfully handing up fucking flavours and all. I mean, hmm. yeah, he's not, you know, but like, yeah, just put it down and step back slowly, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fuchs takes, I've got to hear fucks again. Fuchs <laughs> takes uh, Mac, I'm going to call him for no one because I can't be afraid Mac, outside before this to tell him he thinks someone isn't actually human. Uh-huh. And then Benning, Bennings is taken over as Windows asks for the keys to the door. Now, Benning says Gary has the keys, therefore Windows has the keys, which is important for much later. Because there's a whole discussion. Oh my God, who's got the keys to the to the blood cabinet? Um, mm. uh, Gary had them. No, 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 no. Doctor Cooper had them. No, no, no. I'm going. Windows had them. <laughs> so how? Yeah. Did mm. How did Windows get them? Mm. Because when he gets attacked by the, or rather, he's spooked by the thing taking over Bennings. You can hear the the he drops the keys on the ground. Yeah. So hmm. Anyway, so Fuchs explains that blood is acting a bit a little bit weird. As he locks himself in his his um, cabin, so Windows finds Bennings shredded, bloodied clothes. As the thing Bennings is half transformed, I've got in here. I've got to say that blood looks like jam, not blood. It looks too red and too thick and gloopy. Yeah, I mean it's still better than the first tape with it dripping down, but mm. yeah, it still looks like yeah. I wasn't liking the uh, the blood effects on this. Mm-hmm. So Windows runs in fear and drops the keys and then runs to get help. So now the thing, Bennings, has the keys. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. so the half-transformed Bennings runs as Mac roasts the thing, Benning, with the uh, the flamethrower and runs outside and he fucking roasts it alive with fuel as it just screams. And that scream is fucking eerie as fuck. Oh, God, yeah. Also, I've got down here. Where did they got the fuel from? I mean, yes, the the Russian helicopter crash land and had 15 barrels of fuel. It didn't miraculously explode when the mm. helicopter went up. But they have that one. But where did they get all the fuel from? Yeah, because they couldn't have brought it back from the Norwegian camp. Because there wouldn't have been enough room to carry it, would they? In their own helicopter. 
I don't know because they do say there's two helicopters. There's a small two-person helicopter and there's a larger group helicopter. So maybe they flew to the Norwegian camp to get the the fuel there, <laughs> but that's stretching. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they said there's a snowstorm hitting and it will take four weeks to, to clear. So I'm going, okay then. So they clearly haven't been went back up to get the fuel. So where they get the fuel from? Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. So before heading back inside, Max sees Blair has destroyed one of the helicopters, cut to him destroying the radio equipment and going completely bug nuts insane, shooting wildly at the crew. Now, is he actually paranoid because he says the goddamn fucking thing don't want to be a dog, want to be human, it's trying to be us, it's trying to escape, it's trying to become the better life form. And I'm going, that's a good point, actually. So he's saving the world. Is he a hero? Yeah, I would say he is. Let's face it, he... Yeah, I would say he is saving the world because, let's face it, he he was almost trying to contain it. I mean, he, he was going to contain it properly. He could have took his gun and just put a bullet in everybody's head, whether they were assuming or not, and just left it like that. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I say, it's for a scientist, it's not a scientific way of dealing with it. It's just smashed equipment and they're fucked, basically. Yeah, but I suppose human emotion comes into it. Like, I, I don't know how any how any of us would react if we just found this alien DNA that could imitate us perfectly and then, you know, just put out, well, you know, there's a high chance 75% of your crew are already assimilated mm-hmm. and you know, your chance of survival uh nil. So I think I'd lock my lock myself in a room and go bug nuts insane. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean fair enough, we we have been saying earlier that they're not actually acting like this, but when we do have a scene of them acting it, we're like it doesn't fit because the rest of them are fucking acting that way. So maybe mm-hmm. this is how they would actually act. We'd go completely insane and destroy the equipment with the, the yeah. snow cats and the helicopters and the equipment and where else it destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to try and keep this thing contained in this relatively uh, small continent, did I say? <laughs> yeah, because almost if they keep it contained, it'll freeze again in the ice, mm-hmm. and then hopefully another 100,000 years before, before someone else is stupid enough to find it and thaw it out. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe about, I would say six months to mm. eight months nine months because they say oh we've got somebody come to collect us at the spring and this is the beginning oh. of this winter so mm, yeah good point. like four months or so so mm. uh well, let me see here oh, yes here is where windows gets a cut on his face but he was up remarkably quick and uh, either that's bad editing or he is the thing mm. you notice that he gets a cut on his forehead I- I did, and almost the next scene it's gone. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's lesser, but I'm going, bullshit, he gets whacked in the face with that axe, and there's a cut in his forehead, the next scene there's like a little scab, the next scene there's, there's barely anything yet, and the following scene there's like a one little scratch, I'm going, he's dealing fucking quick as you know. Yeah. So, Blair is then bum-rushed by, uh, bum-rushed by the crew, I've got it here, and then KO'd. And put outside in a tool shed for days, mind. Days. Mm. <laughs> I'm going, what the fuck? There's no heat. There's no food. There's no water. They give him uh, what? A bottle of vodka and two cans of beans? Yeah, they are passing them <laughs> food through that little hatch then. But I'm like, yeah, if he already didn't have cabin fever, he's going to have a now and there on his own, isn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, honest to God. So what else? Then Fakes being knocked out as seconds earlier he was cowering in the corridor. In the corridor, rather. Mm. Is he the thing I've got down here? No, he's not the thing until later on. Should I say that? Actually, I don't think Widows is a thing at all on this. Oh, no, is he? I don't think so. I think he gets, no. he gets killed. Is he not just one of the ones McQuidy shoots in the head? Uh, no, that's... Um, what's his name? Uh, Clark, he shoots in the head. Ah, so it is. So, I don't know how to Widows, actually. I think he gets killed by something. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't know what happened to him. Moving on. I just watched mm. this morning. I just, that's a bad fucking sign right there. <laughs> So anyway, so Blair tells Mac, trust no one, Mr. Mulder. Mm-hmm. Um, but Clark, the least, as he spent the most time with the thing dog, therefore he's the thing. Karen. Mm. So Mac tasks Dr. Cooper away with finding out who is actually human by using blood samples. Too bad. Thing Windows has destroyed the blood bank. Mm-hmm. Now, I love the fact here. I did notice Gary held over the keys to Dr. Cooper, but when did Windows hand him over to Gary? Because you can yeah. clearly hear when, when Windows runs for it, when the uh, thing Bennings is transfor- transforming into the, well, Bennings, he drops the keys. Yeah, so when did they have the tra- time to give them back? Mm. 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 So cute and fighting as Windows runs for a shotgun locked behind a glass case. Why the fuck would you have shotguns behind a glass case? That's yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, mm. Mm. so Gary pulls his gun again, points at like a fucking sheriff, <laughs> and holds Windows at gunpoint. And Windows just gives up. I'm going, really, mate? And this is a notice the scratching or a cut in his head is now a little like scab. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you healed quick, was that less than a minute and a half later? Yeah, and that's all gone. And, mm. you, and you think if that bad continuity or is he the thing and he's just killed before he can transform but then mm. I have I'm no idea. Sure. idea so Windows goes up instantly as Gary is then talked into giving over power which Mac then takes over I'm going okay and give the clearly unstable Mac the fucking power to dry roast people that fucking flamethrower has yeah exactly mm, honestly God. now Later, Mac buries something, which I actually see. I think it's a speech to others that the thing is hiding in some of these, lying in wait for its chance to turn all of these, but will defend itself when threatened. I'm going, what did you just bury there? Yeah, because they buried who was it they, they found that had turned um, Benning. Yeah, Benning's, yeah. They realised that the thing had of particles of it must have escaped and one of them must know it. Either mm. that or that he was going out in a limb and just saying, well, we'll check to make sure no one else has turned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going, yeah. By the way, because Bennings, think Bennings was blown to pieces as uh, Mac lobs a piece of TNT and blows up sky high. <laughs> so, hmm. Uh, let's see. So Mac gets the others to try to to tie up um what was it gary cooper and clark mm-hmm. and then drug them um and i'm going why would they voluntarily drug the other people yeah i have no idea I, so I, they, I thought why would they drug the doctor i mean 
Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, there's only two doctors on site, which is a bit of a bullshit there, but we had at least three doctors, I guess. So, hmm. Yeah. One's insane and there's tool shed outside freezing his arse off. The other one's tied to a fucking bench and drugged up to his eyeballs. I'm like, what Ooh. the fuck? Oh, dear, oh, dear. <clears throat> so, he then tasks Fuchs to make a new test and just leaves it there. I'm going, okay then. Days later, Fuchs makes up a new test that by testing blood with fire, if it reacts, then they are not human. Okay then. Yeah, I was like, where'd you get that one from? But okay. Mm-hmm. So after telling Mac not to trust anyone as just one cell can turn someone, Mac leaves. I'm going, what the hell? What the hell? I'm going here. So he was outside to speak to what's his name? Um Blair. And Blair tells him, trust no one. And I'm going, you've already said that like four times. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean his power does well Joey kicked in. Exactly. I like that all you've got to say, just trust no one. Mm. So then Mike What the hell does that say? Mike leaves to put the lights on in his loft. No, he leaves because they're on patrol looking for someone and then he sends them all off and takes one of them with him and says, you're coming with me to my cabin because when I left there, the light were off and mm-hmm. now they're on. Yeah, I was thinking that myself. I got that in the wrong fucking place. I need you, John. So yeah, you're a fucking moron. I think what I meant to write was um, Mike leaves and someone puts eyes off in the lab. I've got instead of putting on me on. So Fuchs was outside to be killed by someone, mm-hmm. not before finding Mac's torn jumpsuit. Okay then. So is Mac now a thing? No, I, no, I think it almost meant to lead us to believe that he could be a thing. Um, but he never. Do you know that Carpenter um put away? The Hawaii you can the Hawaii and the movie you can tell by looking who's the thing and who's not. No, no. No. See in the next scene you're a, see in the bloodletting scene. Mm-hmm. Um it's more obvious there, but the the you can tell by the eye because uh especially in the bloodletting scene because what had happened is they put the same what's it called? They'd almost made it so that you could always see the sparkle in someone's eyes. Hmm. Um, not as you watch something on TV or you see, or you take a picture of some, with someone, there's always that sparkle in their eye. Hmm. Um, well, they played on that, and it's literally, if they have that, and they, they don't almost, their eyes don't look pure black, then they're not the thing. It's almost playing on literally. Um, it's almost playing on literally the, the you know the gleam of light in someone's eye mm. okay then okay then that's interesting I must watch it again and figure out what the hell so hmm. yeah <clears throat> anyway okay. um you can notice it more in the bloodletting scene okay. because obviously palmer doesn't have it hmm interesting anyway so hours later mac windows and Niles finds fuchs body burned alive in the snow half buried and I'm going, how did they find that body so fast? Mm. You know, so, hmm. Yeah, um, it was almost to have someone dug it up for them to find. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. So days after being put inside the tool shed with no food or water or indeed any heat, Blair is still alive, depressed as fuck with a hangman's rope, which is fucking dark. But he's mm. alive. Hello, he's a thing. Yeah. Obvious. The minute he said, I want to rejoin the group at the moment, you're like, right, we're out of here and yeah. you can stay there and starve. Yeah, you can freeze your ass off, you fucking fat old Yeah. Kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was obvious he was the thing. I was going, even as a kid, I went, he's the alien. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, let me see. So, he then tells Mac he hears noises and he doesn't feel safe outside. And can he come back in? Because he's sorry for what he did. He's not insane anymore. Yeah, mate, you're an alien. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first watch through that, I was like, yeah, the thing got to him now. Hmm. <laughs> Mm. I mean, I've got down here. Windows finds Fuchs' burned body buried in the snow, as if he knew it was there already. Is he mm. the thing? Hmm. Mm, it's questionable. Mm-hmm. So Max sends Windows inside to report Fuchs' dead body, so he and Knowles can check out Max's hut, which he left empty the day before, but the lights were off. The lights are now back on, so someone's mm-hmm. in his hut. Who's in his hut? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's another plot hole. Who's in his hut? Yeah, we never find out. Mm. So, 45 minutes later, Childs boards up all the doors and some of the windows. Yet, somehow, Niles gets in. And not only that, so does Mac. So, fucking pointless boring of those windows up then, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Mac break her window to get in, but I was like, why did you open the door like Niles back in? I mean, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, yeah. So Niles tells him about Max's touring flight suit he cut up. So he cuts like a rope and he's lost in the storm, which you don't actually fucking see how bad a storm is. So that would play into nothing because, mm. every, I mean, an insert shot of a, of a snow storm hitting would be good, but there's nothing. It just shows you him going, look, look I've got his flight suit, which is a completely different suit from Elmer in the movie. Yeah, so, exactly. I'm like, where did you get that from? Because that's not the same one. Yeah, that's a continuity mistake right there. I mean, for crying out loud. So cut to set piece number three as Norris fakes a heart attack. He's Mm -hmm. the thing. Mm. As he eats Cooper's arms off, then mutates his head as it turns into a spider and then Mac fries it along with his body, which turns into a weird fucking giraffe-necked creature that screams at him with like spider legs and tentacles and fuck. What the fuck is that thing? I have no idea, but um, that that whole chest uh, chomp scene that I affectionately known was done with a W amputee. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Quite cool. But I was just looking at it going, right, what part of that thing is its head? Because its mm. head came out of his stomach and then it was his head. It's, but, and then that's what made me think what I said earlier. Maybe it was all one mass until it's had to dissipate in some way and then mm. each mask has almost become another version of the thing. Mm, yeah, that's very true. I'll go back to the whole arm biting scene. Right. Mm-hmm. That was a one take scene because they couldn't really afford to reset the scene and wow. they couldn't afford to clean up the, the, the scene. So what what it was was just a double amputee in an industrial accident. He's getting both mm-hmm. arms chopped off at the elbow yeah. like it was. Mm-hmm. And he had rubber hands made up filled with gelatin and held together with toothpicks and as it slams shut it splits out the fake blood and voila 
instant wow done for about i don't know 50 bucks (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah but unfortunately it was a one take deal so so a good job they got it right first time Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. although in saying that how did norris get taken over we don't know i mean (sighs) it's kind of done off out of sight which Mm -hmm. most of them are if you think about it um the first one is Benning is the only one we see yes. getting taken over. The rest we don't see until, you know, it's happened. So, I mean, I was going, when exactly um, were you taken over by the thing? Because, hmm, you try to say to me what these skinny ass uh, long johns ripped to earlier were your long johns. Bullshit, mate, you're a fat girl. <laughs> There's no chance yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Uh, but then, but that means it must have been Blair, would it have been Blair's thing that caught him and turned him? I don't know. I don't know. I think, um, I'm guessing that when Norris and whoever else was cleaning up the storeroom, some blood got into Norris and it turned him something. But it's, that's a big stretch right there, you know, so, hmm. God knows, it's, you know. And I have no idea. I mean, I love the fact how you can tell he's got a heart condition, so why would the alien take him as he struggles to get the backpack off? I know the backpack, the um, the flamethrower off. I'm going, he's going to have a heart attack. And two or three scenes later, he has a heart attack. Yeah. So, I mean, it almost comes down to a sense, the question of how intelligent is the alien. Um, maybe it was literally, maybe it was super intelligent to to think that they wouldn't suspect him. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so. Yeah. Or then again, maybe it was just an idiot and thought need of one on his own, he'll do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it was desperate enough to just jump bodies, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I mean, so Max sets fire to his body and then sets fire to the spider head thing. Mm-hmm. As the, you've got to be fucking kidding me, line kicks in. So I've got in here, Mac holds him back using TNT because he's going to blow the place up. Uh-huh. And I'm going, okay then. So, hmm. Also got in here, Wendell's cut is now completely healed in three days. Bullshit. So, I mean, yeah. so Mac demands the rest of them to be tied down until he tests their blood. Now, how and where did he come up with the idea of the test? If Fuchs didn't tell him to do it, I mean, Fuchs was killed before he told Mac about the blood test? Yeah, so how did he then know that you know you could almost tra- although instead it certainly got the i the idea from the, from the original blood um test they were going to do so mm. it was almost like a retake of that but then again who in the right mind would think to test for an alien let electrify that let electrify that blood that was heating the, the copper up to test the heat. Yeah. And if it attacked, it's a thing. If it doesn't attack, it's just, it's just blood. Yeah. But I'm going, what did you get? You're just a pilot. You're just a drunk pilot. What the fuck did you get that? that uh, moving on. So anyway, so they, they, they test the blood and Clark tries to bum rush Mac with a knife and Mac just shits him clean between the eyes and he's dead. <laughs> just like that. I mean, <laughs> hmm. Like, no mercy. Jeez. Yeah, no mercy. One shot to the head and he's dead. Mm. 
cue the blood testing that made me squirm even to this day as it slices uh, on their thumbs. Why not use a needle? You know. Well, common sense, you know. I mean, instead of slicing up your thumb and, and losing what about a fucking pint of blood, a half pint of blood, why not just prick your finger and put a few drops into it and spit it around? Not just fucking like half a gallon of blood for fuck's sake. Yeah. Anyway, so they use the same knife for all the guys. Hello, cross contamination. Yeah. So Matt tests the blood using heated copper wire, and they're all human, all but Palmer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going. I'm guessing he was one that was turned by one of the dogs as it ran out of the place. Maybe the dog was actually a thing. One of the dogs was actually a thing. I have no idea. I have no idea. But then again, he could have been turned by who's the guy they were looking for when they found the thing in the snow. What um, not Benning, the other guy. Um, what, what Fuchs? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe he was. Maybe he was the one actually killed. Maybe he was the one, the original one that was turned at the very star. <clears throat> Maybe. That would make sense. Mm. Mm. So he plants his feet into the ground that causes the the sofa to tilt and then go haywire as his head expands and really bad cuts. I'm going, show the entire transformation. Just cut it away, cut it away, cut it, cut it away. That drove me insane. He then escapes uh, the ropes by jumping on the ceiling. I'm going, how'd you skip the ropes? So he's the one that planted Mac's torn flight suit then. Uh-huh. To Red Herring, it's actually Mac, not him. Yeah. Hmm. So, anyway, so he's now stuck on the ceiling and he kills Windows uh, by eating his face off, which is fucking disgusting, as his head mm. splits into a giant fucking mouth. I'm going... Right, and then he's quickly roasted by Mac's handy-dandy flamethrower, which better be conked out as the spider head was running away. I'm going, handy that, it doesn't conk you any other time, but it conks it. Yeah, it right at that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like I says, Mac then chases after uh, the the thing and blows it up using TNT. And Windows is next as he gets dry roasted. Just blows, his, blows my part that flame throat. I'm going, he is awfully nonchalant killing these people, does he not? Yeah, and I get that once they are turned, um, once they're fully assimilated, they're no longer human. So, okay, any attachment you might have had to the person, you can kind of leave at the door. But mm-hmm. the way he just kills, um, what was it, Fox? Um, yeah. No, uh, Windows. Yeah, sorry, Window. Um, the way he just kills Window, I'm like, yeah, he get bit. There is no, no evidence to show that a bite from it from the thing turns you so far. It has to sort of take you with the tentacle and you know mm. suck your DNA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought myself. I'm thinking, fair enough. He might be dead, and he's doing him a favor by killing him quick. Because the massive blood loss and the travel to the head and all that stuff, but he just roasts them. I'm going, that is cold. And I'll just sit there and go, I'm fine with this. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, I like, come on, there's a difference between being, being, you know, putting them out of misery and cremating them when he's still mm. semi conscious, you know? I was like, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now they know it's Blair. I was out the restaurant go to find and test Blair. They find out he has built escape tunnels 
from the tool shed, and he has built a makeshift UFO using helicopter parts. He's been fucking busy, is he not? Yeah, how long is he in that bloody shed? Well, they say something like it's been two weeks since the snowstorm hit, so two weeks he's been on that shed for. God, he's been busy. Did you see the sight of the hole in the ship? Yeah, exactly. And that's not been two weeks left of work. <laughs> well, I mean, do you suppose he can split himself into multiple parts of himself with multiple tentacles? So maybe. <laughs> um, maybe but, that was just a week and a half worth of work, eh? Mm, but he makes a UFO out of helicopter parts. Mm. Oh. So anyway, mm. so down they go, and suddenly Charles goes missing. And then the, lamp, the, the camp lights cut out mysteriously. Mac tells Gary and Niles, and, and also rather, um, with the power cut in a few short hours, it'll be well below zero. It'll freeze itself and then wait for spring for the rescue team. So they need to warm up the camp and set it alight to draw it out and kill it once and for all. So I'm going, okay then, so how did it get into Childs? Uh, we are meant to believe it had been Blair or Green. I see. Okay then. Because wasn't Childs tested and it came up his blood was was Normal. fine. Yeah. Mm. So when did it get to moving on? So Mike blows up the makeshift UFO and then the others set fire to the camp. They completely fucking destroy the camp with a, mm. a snow cat and then blow up the snow cat. So with the camp in flames, Mike gets Gary and Niles to plant TNT in a basement of the camp and blow it sky high as Childs is wandering the camp doing what exactly? Oh god only knows. I have no idea. I mean he says that oh my god, I thought I saw Blair running behind the camp. Right, so at what point did you notice the camp was on fire for fuck's sake? I mean mm. Oh dear God. So Gary is then taken out first by thing Blair as it eats his face off, which is fucking kinda funky and gross but also done cheap it's only latex yeah you know so mm. uh niles sees this and is killed off screen why don't you see his death there's the, the blow the budget on the fucking see uh, the special effects you know <laughs> <laughs> so max mike rather has set the charges but the thing blair steals the plunger tnt plunger thing set piece number five is mac versus the thing as it just lobs TNT as it starts to roar and turn into like a, what is it, a dog and Blair's head and somebody else's head and there's like tentacles and things grabbing at him and he just goes, well, fuck you too, boom, and it blows it up. Yeah, it's almost like a flashback of everything that's ever been. Mm. Yeah. So the camp is now in flames. Mac mm-hmm. drinks the last bottle of whiskey. He's wait, waiting for sweet release of death. As out walks Child's who is human? Question mark. Mm, question mark. Again, where was he? Hmm. As credits roll on this. So, that was the thing. Now, I'm sorry, but this thing is slow and boring. Sure, the effects are great, but is that all there is? The acting is abysmal in this fucking movie. The plot holes are gigantic. You could fucking put a 747 uh, through these plot holes. Nothing but blah writing to string the next set piece together. It's just boring and dull and overly padded. So, what do you say? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you've got to give the film kudos for uh, practical effects. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for anything done practical that is not reverting to CGI. But, 
you know, I, I mean, it gives it something CGI couldn't, but at the same time, it also makes it feel a little bit too intense and almost nauseating too. Mm. Um, but what else was I going to say? But I mean, the the acting throughout is can't really fault the acting. It's done well for what they were, the directions they were given, and the dialogue they were given. Um, but the the plot is, you know, where is it? Mm. You know, it, it feels like it's missing too much information. Um, you know, it's like we see them go to the Norwegian Bay, but we don't actually find out what they found out there. So at least you're asking, like, what did the Norwegians know? What, how did they, like, you know, all the what, where, when, why? Mm. Um and the sets, yeah, they're great for what they are and the little time the detail they got into it again, great for what they are, but for me they keep they keep the film too firmly planted in the eighties because everything in the sets is revealed is you know, thinking about out in the eighties and the eighties style. So mm-hmm. um and for me that is why this movie doesn't stand the test of time, you know. It felt like it peaked too soon with that opening scene, um, and then couldn't live up to it for the rest of the movie. There's no cohesion within mm. the group. Like when shit gets real, it becomes every man for himself. It's like what the hell? Um, and what for that dialogue? I mean, it make the like face it for the time, and some of them still now they are well defined character actor. Yet this dialogue makes them all sound and seem identical, which makes it hard to care for any one of them. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, exactly, exactly. I mean, I equate this to be bored on the mm. set, and like mm. Carpenter has picked this weird, like, oh my god, let's just go for them something as bored as human possible and interested as human possible. Again, when Mike is reading, or telling rather, telling the group about the UFO and the aliens, he's like. Yeah, listen, there's a UFO trapped in the ice and there's aliens. Listen, yeah. that makes me... I mean, what the fuck's the excitement for proving the fact we are not alone in the bloody galaxy or the universe, for fuck's sake? It's like, yeah. oh. It's uh, like, with the, with the reaction to that and your voice, whether it be anger, sadness, surprise, joyful even, any fucking reaction in your voice. Hmm. And, you know, I read somewhere that Carpenter was going for a whole novelistic type with a, when he was directing it, which is why we got that fucking awful that bored the hell out of me by about half an hour in, that fade in, fade out scene. And then it, 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 by the time it faded back in, like three hours of in-time, of in-time uh, film had passed, and you're like, so what the fuck happened in the last scene? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, the plot holes in this movie are ridiculous. They are mm. gigantic and yeah. stuff are just like, man, who cares? Like I said, you almost see one uh, thing taking over one of the characters. The rest of them are just like, who cares? When they get taken over, they're taken over. Where's the yeah. other where's the other body then? You exactly. Know? I mean, exactly. It's like, it's like, yeah, it takes it over, but it doesn't doesn't get rid of the other body. So where is the other body? Mm. Doesn't, also, it doesn't absorb at all. It just Almost takes its DNA. Yeah. Also, where's the rest of the clothes? Mm-hmm. I mean, they only found one, sorry, two shit sets of shredded clothes. I'm going, where's the rest of the shredded clothes? I mean, they find the, the, the Long Jones at the start of the movie, which I'm guessing was, um, what the hell was that skinny guy's name? The one that was tied to the chair. Uh, 
Palmer here. I guess that was his his ones. Then they find Bennings' shredded clothes, and then they find the fake shredded clothes of Max. Plant idea he's an alien with a red herring. Mm. So where was Blair's clothes? Where was Child's clothes? If he's a if he has a thing, where was the rest of the people's clothes? I'm going, Karen. And why was Knowles killed off screen? Yeah, uh, like you know, why? Why didn't they just fix all of this rather than try and rush it out to make it almost compete with ET and then fail? Personally, I think the the facts you can read about this film are more interesting than the film itself. Yes, that's very true. Also, well, about it, right? Let's just say Blair is the first one turned, right? Okay. So I'm guessing he has most of the intelligence of the of the alien, and the rest of the things were lacking intelligence because all they done was attack and then get killed. Whereas this one, this Blair planned and plotted and dug up the, the tunnels and built the UFO as an escape plan and, and planned to freeze the entire camp sort of thing. So I'm going, where was the intelligence of this alien? Why was Blair's thing alien so intelligent? Why was the other one so fucking thick? And since we were threatened, they attacked instantly. There was no sort of intelligence. It been that it taken on the almost intelligent of its host, so therefore if Blair is the most intelligent one of the group and the most level-headed, that's the sort of thing he would do. Let's face it, when they first went out about it, he locked himself in a room and tried to stay, almost keep it away from him, so then when he returned, his he, he mission became to escape. Yes, you know? yes. And also that... The rest were all a bit, you know, for themselves, so when they were turned, it was a case of, well, attack, not... Mm. Yeah, that's very true. That's very, very true. Although I will say here, um, that UFO was teeny. There was no chance in hell that little teeny tiny little UFO was going to lift Blair's fat ass out of that ice. <laughs> <laughs> no. know, I mean, where were they going to go, by the way? Not unless he were planning to uh, turn into someone a hell of a lot skinnier. Mm. Or maybe, that, maybe the, the, the UFO makes you feel and used to get to the other UFO and take off using that thing. You know, well, I mean, that could work. I mean, because the damage to that gigantic UFO wasn't that severe. So maybe, I mean, that's a big maybe there. <laughs> it might work, it might work. Mm. I also read there were two alternative endings for this movie. Did you, did you read no, that? No, I didn't read there that. Was, um, there was a, a happier ending. Uh, wrote and filmed in case it wasn't received well in test audiences so apparently it showed like McCready being rescued and taken to like a top secret lab and tested on to see if it was simulated and then passed and then there was also an even more bleaker one, I have the one we get ambiguous enough but there was even a more bleaker one where it almost repeated the opening so we instead of seeing the thing running in as a uh, as a dog, we see it escaping uh, one of the dogs. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Um, so although, that's why I, I think none of the three work, but that's just hmm. me. Although I have read a theory that Mac knew that Childs was a thing and he's not given them whiskey, he's given them uh, helicopter fuel and Ooh. he's going to try and kill him. But I'm going, okay then. So there we have that one. Ooh. So let's go this 
out of five, one being dog shit and five being solid gold. I'm going to give this thing a very generous three out of five. I was going to give it two, but it's a new year, so fuck it, three. <laughs> so what would you give it? Well, uh, I'm giving it a two, I think. It, you know, it's good for what it was at the time, but it's, you know, looking at it now, you think, oh, God, no. Mm, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get hate for this because we just slagged off the great thing, but, eh, you know... <laughs> May I just point out, I quite like John Carpenter's other work, you know, mm-hmm. this, no, the rest, yeah, you know, so, uh, not dissing John Carpenter, it's just, you know, practice made pre- perfect and he clearly hadn't practiced enough at this point. I don't know, there's a few John Carpenter movies out there that are horrifyingly bad, yeah. it's just a bloody ward, oh my god, that's terrible, and oh um, Cigarette Burns, which is fucking atrocious. Um. But yeah, this, I don't get why this gets so much hype and so much praise. I mean, yes, the effects are good for what they are. They're all practical effects, which is very dandy. Mm. But they're, some of them look cheap. Some of the, the models look like crap and the puppets look like shit. So yes, I can see about the skip for an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so let's wrap this up then. So thank you for listening. Now don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at 2GeeksPod. You can follow me at here's Johnny's pod and you can follow Joanne at Okay. now we have an Instagram and Facebook page which is 2GeeksTalkMovies you can also email us with suggestions or complaints to 2GeeksTalkMovies at gmail.com now our next podcast will be Joanne's pick The Attack of the Lederhosen Zombies mm. which I think is a Kevin Smith movie if I remember right it is so this will be interesting as he's very hit or miss with me. Yeah, so let's see if he hits or misses with mm. this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I've got to say is bye. And I'll tell some Jack Daniels while watching The Shining, a much more superior winter movie. Bye. <laughs>